0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. Happy New Year. It's 2022. So a new year is kicking off for our lives and our investment portfolios. Here to talk about junior mining stocks is our returning guest and friend, Dave Kranzler of investmentresearchdynamics.com. And he is also the editor of the Mining Stock Journal. And you can find more information about that at his website. Uh, Dave will be sharing three stock picks. I don't know what they are yet, as well as his biggest winner of last year and his biggest loser. So Dave, welcome back onto the program. Happy new year to you. And shall we start off with your biggest winner or your biggest loser from last year? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, first of all, Happy New Year to you, Bill, and Happy New Year to everyone in the audience. And let's let's hope 2022 is a lot less, let's say, interesting than 2021. Um, why don't you pick in terms of biggest winner, biggest loser? Well, let's start on
0: a positive note. Your biggest winner, because we all are in this to make money.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, just just to kind of put winners and losers in the mining stock space into context, I did some calculations before we started recording. and for all of 2021, the GDX J junior ETF was down 24 percent for the year. So in terms of, of you know judging whether something was a winner or a loser, you know if you owned a junior mining stock that was down less than 24 percent. Theoretically, that could be a winner versus the, the index or the sector, right? And then it's it extends even more so to the junior exploration. I call them, you know, kind of the micro cap venture capital junior stocks. They're the ones that are have a have a project and they're trying to convert it into a resource and then hopefully a working mine. Those were probably down a lot more than on average, if there was a true junior index um they'd be down more than 24%. So um in terms of my my biggest winner and again I'm just you know you wanted my biggest winner and loser for the year it's not necessarily a stock that I picked during 2021 it's it's a stock that's kind of on my portfolio list of recommendations and and some of these stocks you know I've been rec- I've been following and recommending for as long as I've had the newsletter, which was early, early 2016. So, um, but Great Bear, it was up, uh, it went from 13 to 23. It ended 2020 at 13 and it ended 2021 at 23 bucks. And obviously that was because, you know, it's getting taken over by Kinross Ross in what I consider to be a very, very full offer for the, for the company based on what they have as it is. Um, and I originally started recommending Great Bear, I believe it was in July of 2019 at $3.25. That's when I threw in the towel on it and looked at it and I'm like, holy crap, this is a great idea. So that that would have been my biggest winner. Um, in terms of my biggest loser, and again, this is a stock that would have been in my portfolio, on January 1st, 2021, and that's pure gold mining. And that one went from $2 down to 60 cents. Um, you know, somewhat of a disaster if you bought it at $2. But again, I started following and recommending and, and trading that stock back in the summer of 2016 when it was at 30 cents, so um you know, in my, in the portfolio and the fund that I run, there's some stock that has a basis of $0. thirty cents in there. And there's some stock in there that has a basis of over a dollar. But in terms of a one-year holding period, that was, that was my biggest loser.
0: And you featured that originally, what was that price point? You featured pure gold mining originally, Dave?
1: I just have to go back and look specifically, but it was, you know, somewhere around the $0. 30 cent level. And that would have been like, June or July of 2016. I've I've followed this company for a long time. And I mean to tell you the truth, I think right now at the current price which is 53 cents US and there's a there's a you know a TSX Venture symbol as well as a five letter US OTC bulletin board symbol um LRNTF I think now is probably not a bad time to own it because it's it's Got its mine operating, it's it's ramping up to uh commercial production. It may have already declared commercial production, it's ramping up to full spec. And it's it's I think it still has one more nice Lasan curve push ahead of it. And then at some point it's it's gonna get taken over.
0: Okay. Moving on to this year, where are you seeing value? Everything sold off last year, as you kind of alluded to, of GDX is down 24%. Some of these junior miners that I held were down 50 60% on the year. So where, what opportunities do you see currently with pick number
1: one? Well, first of all, let me just say, I mean, the mining stocks as an asset class, as a sector of the stock market, are as cheap as they've been relative to the rest of the stock market, going all the way back to 2002. So I, I'm just, I'm pulled up a chart here. If you want, I'd be happy to share it with you and you can put it in the video. Um, it's a chart of the um, Huey, the Amex Goldbugs ratio to the, to the, the Amex Goldbug Index to S&P 500 ratio. And I take that all the way back to 2000. And going all the way back to then, currently, the mining stocks—and I use the Huey to go back that far because GDX wasn't around until 2006. Um, the mining stocks are as cheap as they've been at any time, going back to 2002. And back then, gold was at 2002. Gold was at three hundred dollars an ounce, right? And we're at eighteen hundred now. So gold's Six times higher in price. I mean, it's it just you would think that the mining stocks, on average and in general, would be at a much trading at a much higher relative level than where they are right now. And interestingly, this ratio chart, it, it's kind of forming a triple bottom. It, it bottomed out at the end of 2015, which is when the the brief bear market from 2000. Late 2011 till late 2015 ended. And then we had a sharp run up in and in a correction. And it, it, where the ratio is now, it, it hit that again in late 2018, ran up after the, the virus crisis period. And it's back down to that level now. So, you know, I think you're potentially have formed a triple bottom. And the, and the spread between this ratio and the price of gold is by far the widest it's ever been. So in terms of relative value, the mining stocks are as cheap as any asset class under the sun right now. Now, that does not that's not to say that if we have a stock market accident, it's probably going to take everything with it, including the mining stocks temporarily. But whenever that's happened, I'm just looking at 2008, say in, in March 2020, mining stocks always hit bottom and start rallying a lot more quickly than the rest of the stock market. So, so, for instance, just off the top of my head, I think GDX from mid-March 2020 to mid-August 2020 was up 45%. It outperformed everything. And I think at some point in the next six months, we've got to move like that ahead of us. So, in terms of, um, and I again, as we talked before we started recording, I just picked out three kind of high risk, high return, low market cap, junior exploration stocks. And these, these are three of my favorites right now. I'll actually in the next mining stock journal issue out this Thursday, I'm gonna kind of put together a list and and categorize it on base, you know, on um a couple different risk return tiers, you know, risk tiers versus potential return. And I'll have like, you know, three or four stocks in each in each tier that I'll say okay these right now are my favorites at this point in time it's always as you know this sector, it's, you know, how you feel about a mining stock is a fluid situation, (laughs) depending on, you know, the nature of the news flow and events surrounding each specific company that that can affect its future prospects, right?
0: You date and you rent mining stocks. You don't marry or buy them, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to put it. I love it. (laughs) So my first one is one that I've mentioned before on your show, Precipitate Gold. And precipitate has a couple projects down in the Dominican Republic that are kind of on hold right now because they're they're you know they're waiting. There's been some in the area where um, where Barrick has its uh, uh, Pueblo Viejo mine, which is one of the most successful gold mines in the world right now as an operational mine. It's one of the largest. Um, and, and Precipitate has two highly prospective projects. There's been some community unrest there about Eric's trying to put in a, a second tailing pond uh, and, and I guess probably expand the production of his mine. And so um, the, the CEO of Precipitate is kind of put the projects on hold because he doesn't want to spend money on it until he sees what happens with the outcome of of what's going on in terms of community consultations, I think it's going to work out okay. I think it'll be fine. Um, and Barrick hasn't; they, they have a an earn-in agreement on one of Precipitate's properties, and they they're continuing to to explore it and drill it. So um, there's that. And um, then, I guess in a, like maybe in September, October time frame, Precipitate picked up two projects in Newfoundland. And both projects are in areas that are highly prospective. Um, one of the projects is kind of near uh, Newfound Gold's project. And the company is in, the pro- in, the pro- in progress right now of identifying drill targets on both prop- properties. It just raised 1.8 million. It was originally gonna raise, it was gonna do a $750,000 raise and there was so much demand for it that they decided to take it up to 1.8 million so that they could just raise that capital and, and do the first early stages of, of exploration on both these projects, including drilling. So my guess is on at least one of the projects, they'll start drilling maybe toward the end of the first quarter or early second quarter, and this is, I mean, you know how hot Newfoundland has been. I mean, this is one of those things where if they, if they make a discovery or they come back with, with highly prospective drill results, I mean, this stock could easily double very quickly. Um, so in, in addition to the 1.8 million, they've got, I believe Jeff, the CEO told me $500,000 earning payment coming from Barrick, I think in February. So, two point three million in cash to pour into these both of these Newfoundland projects, and you know, again, it's. I mean the um, the market cap of the stock is ten million dollars, and if they make a discovery on one of these two properties, I mean, the sky's kind of the limit. I mean, I think you know, in terms of uh, my noodling around, I think this thing is potentially a five or ten bagger from here. And again, you know, it depends on what happens with their advancement of of the Newfoundland projects. Um, And the Dominican projects can always come back online at any time also. So in in terms of the downside, I mean, I've followed this company since 2016, and I don't think it's ever gone lower than four cents. It's probably what your downside is here. If, you know, it turns out the Newfoundland projects are dusters and um, the Dominican projects are still kind of hanging in limbo for the time being. So that's one. Uh the second one, I can't remember if I've mentioned on here or not. It's called Angus Gold. And they've yes, got a you did. Yep. Okay. Well, it's back and it's still one of my favorite picks. Um, and we have a big position in it, the fund. And uh they've got a, a gold project in the Wawa camp, which is which is in Canada, and it's it's kind of kind of situated in between West Dome's Eagle River Gold Mine and Alamos's Island Gold Mine. Looks like the mineralization probably for um, West Dome's mines, probably the mineral, potential mineralization on Angus Gold's project comes from the same source that mineralized Eagle River. Um, They just turned out, I think it was in November, they turned out the, the first of a series of drill results that showed extremely high grade mineralization on the project. Uh, the stock actually jumped, I wanna say about 10% on a day when the entire sector was getting killed. So I have to imagine on these drill results, if we were in a, in a, uh, in a perky environment for the mining stocks, this stock probably would have gone up 20% with the day it released those drill results. Um, there's only 35.4 million shares outstanding. Insider own forty percent, forty-seven percent. New Gold owns ten percent, and the market cap's just twenty-five million. And um, the the management has specifically made a point of trying to never issue warrants. They don't want the dilution because they think they're sitting on a home run project, and I think they I think they probably are also. So, um, in, in terms, there will be a, a steady. Flow of news over the next three, three or four months, and again, this is this is the kind of stock that you know with with a with a um, positive environment surrounding the mining stocks in general and some good news flow. I mean, this thing could be a two or three bagger way before the end of this year.
0: Silver One Resources is an exploration and development company backed by strategic investors Eric Sprott and SSR Mining. At Silver One's Candelaria Mine project in Nevada, there is already a historic resource estimated at 127 million ounces of silver, which Silver One is developing and advancing. The company's Phoenix Silver Project, located within the Arizona Silver Belt, is an early stage exploration project on which native silver vein fragments have been discovered near surface. One grab sample assay, an astounding 14,688 ounces per ton. Yes, that's right. Ounces, not grams. Silver One has tremendous exploration potential, is extremely leveraged to the price of silver, and is cashed up and poised to increase shareholder value. Silver One trades in New York under the ticker SLVRF and in Toronto under the ticker SVE. To learn more, go to silverone.com. That's silverone.com. I haven't followed that one closely uh, since you featured it, but I did, re- I think it was $30 million market cap when you originally, or $35 million market cap when we originally talked about it maybe six it, months it ago or been, so.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been kind of trading between 75 cents and a buck. So that's, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, Dave, I would say this with uh, exploration plays. These are two exploration plays. I was pitched some um, pre-IPO deals and the pre-money valuations on these were like $15 million market cap. And then I I looked at my own portfolio. I said, I got got $7 million market cap exploration companies already in my portfolio that I like more than what you're pitching me at $15 million market cap pre-valuation. So I guess like, If you're gonna have your pick at exploration stocks, there's a lot of good ones out there right now. You don't even need to be an accredited investor to do a pre IPO deal.
1: Well, and that's, you know, that's my point. These, these, a lot of these junior exploration companies that have great projects just gotten decimated over the last year. Um, I wasn't gonna mention it, but I will, Viva Gold. They've got a, a high grade, open pit, Probably Heap Leach Gold Project in Tonopah, you know, almost no jurisdictional risk. And that's in Nevada getting, we're talking, for those that don't Nevada, know. Nevada, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're getting close to having a feasibility study. They're doing, you know, they're, they've been doing all of the environmental baseline work. At some point, this is going to be a nice little 50, 60,000 ounce a year gold producer and it's trading with a market cap of like $7 million. I mean, it's absurd, and it's got a tight share structure. $7 million market cap, if this thing was actually a producing mine right now, it would have a a market cap north of $100 million. Now, there's definitely risk between now and, and the potential conversion to an operating mine, but your upside downside is absurd. So, and that's another one. And then the other one that I had picked out is Helio star metals. And I think I may have mentioned it on here before. Yep. Um, And it's, it's gotten actually beaten up pretty hard, you know, during 2021, not really sure. Other than there was one big shareholder that apparently on a, a capital raise earlier this in summer of 2021, they got pissed because they didn't get the allocation they wanted. And so they, they started dumping the shares, I think, in September or October. And the company was pissed because they had buyers for those shares. But the fund that was selling didn't want to work with the company. I think they were, you know, it was kind of a grudge thing. So, um, I mean, this stock has been over a dollar. I think it's at, I don't know, 53, 54 cents right now. They've got the UNGA high-grade gold project in Alaska. It actually has a small gold resource. So, I mean, if they wanted to, they could probably start on the process of putting in a small mining operation now. They're not going to spend the money on that. I mean, they want to flush out the value in in their projects and and find buyers for them. Um, But they, you know, they could do that if they wanted to. And then they've got three prospective silver projects down in Mexico. I think they're all in Sonora. And each one of these projects in and of themselves could be market, you know, company makers. And they just started drilling in December on one called Camaro. It was actually a, a project that Silvercrest Metals had inquired about JVing it with them. And the CEO, Charles Funk, who um, was one of the geologists involved with uh, the big discovery at Beasley Silver, and he's still on the board there. Uh, he he turned them down because he said, look, I have a feeling we have a home run here and I don't want to give up any of the economics at this point on this project. So uh, they started drilling on that and they also did a big capital raise. So they're fully cashed up for, I believe, most of 2021. And um, it's a tight share structure. There's 51 million shares outstanding, fully diluted. Market caps 25 million. And, you know, again, this is this is the type of project. If they if they can make a couple good discoveries on tomorrow, you're probably looking at, you know, a four to five bagger this year. Again, depending on how the sector does and what the price of gold and silver do.
0: And even if they don't discover these companies you mentioned, and gold just helps us out a little bit, these stocks from these levels, it's it's a lot of times it's an easy double or at least a 50% gain, isn't it? Easy. Easy yeah.
1: double, a stock like this, an easy double. They've got a gold project in Alaska. It was a former a former mining operation, you know, back in the day. So, you know, the metallurgy is there. They've got a small resource on it. And they actually, they stuck a drill hole. They expanded their land package out there and um, they kind of were thinking, well, we think there in this one area there might be gold, copper, porphyry. And they just on a whim, stuck a drill hole there, and boom they they hit evidence of yeah their their theory might be right. I mean the upside on on a lot of these junior exploration stocks is just enormous because all the not all the risk, but most of the price risk has been taken out of them during twenty twenty one
0: No, that's a great point. So are you hedging at all in your portfolio? You mentioned you run a fund. For those don't don't know, you you invest in junior mining stocks as well as physical gold and silver. But are there any hedges that you're employing going into 2022? Well,
1: that's a really good question. And right now, I, I think if you're, I think the odds, if you put on a hedge now, I think the odds that you're hedging. Toward the bottom of the market are pretty high. I actually in in November I was kind of putting on some big hedges using uh, shorting nugget and and buying calls on dust and things like that. And I did okay, I did pretty well with the hedges. And I I'm not hedged right now because the fundamentals supporting a much higher level for the entire sector are just too strong. And I may be wrong on that. We may still have another downside move here, but I, you know, I just, you got to play the probabilities. Right. And right now I think the probability is high that we're going to have a big move in the sector this year. And the probability is low that we're going to go considerably lower from here. Now, again, if, if we have a stock, obviously we've got the biggest stock bubble in the history of the universe right now. And the The odds of a stock market accident increase by the day, and if that happens, you're probably going to have a, um, you know, a, a very short period of time where even the mining stocks feel a lot of pain. But I think it'll be brief, and the snapback will be sharp. So, I, I guess if you are a little bit nervous about the markets or the sector, I would just make sure you are raising cash and keep, you know, keep 50 percent cash on hand. I I went through probably two thirds of 2021 with at least 20% cash. And, and now I'm looking forward to deploying it judiciously. Mm -hmm.
0: And so you, have you been buying throughout tax loss season then here, which seems like it was forever last year?
1: I mean, I added, I added to a few things, you know, like precipitate being a good example, Angus being a good example. Added to a few things, but I, you know, I'm not just because I'm nervous in general about the stock market. I'm not in any hurry to put all this cash to work. So, um, and that's, that's a point of emphasis that I, I make all the time in my newsletter. You know, I'm, you know, I'm just like, I, I beg the subscribers, look, you know, these are good ideas and you might get excited about them, but don't throw all your capital in them all at once. Say, you know, buy. 10, 20% 10, 20% of what you think you ultimately wanna own and then put more capital into the idea over time. Because that way you, you know, you're not putting your, all your capital at risk ahead of what may or may not be good or bad news flow and ahead of what may or may not be a tough market. So um, capital management in this sector is, is just as important as picking out good ideas.
0: Do you think that a lot of times when you get negative feedback, a lot of it has to do with entry points? Because you mentioned pure gold. So you were featuring it at 30 cents. It runs up to $2 and goes all the way back to 50 cents. And if somebody buys it at $2 and it's 50 cents, they think you're the worst stock picker in the world. Whereas you could point to the fact that, hey, I actually recommended it at 30 cents. So timing is critical in this sector.
1: Who said I get negative feedback? (laughs) (laughs) So I get an occasional subscriber who like sends me an email with, you know, expressing frustration over the market. And, you know, most of them in the last 18 months have come from newer subscribers who subscribed in the summer of 2020 and got excited about the sector and, you know, went all in in, in June, july and august that year and august was was the top of the market at that point the top of the cycle so um you know and hopefully hopefully these people saved some of their cash so that they can buy you know double down or add to their positions here Ava, that's had, really how you got to play this game
0: i had a conversation this morning a long conversation with a friend i hadn't talked to in over a year and he was into gold stocks before I was. And he subscribed to uh, John Duty, I believe. Um, and he said, Bill, I have gold stocks in my portfolio today. I'm still down 90 to 95%. And I was talking and I said, there's still opportunities out there. You have to get the timing right. He's like, I don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. And, uh, you bad. know, sometimes people get turned off with a bad experience. They just buy what a newsletter writer says or they come in at the peak, you buy it in 2011, you buy it in 2012 and it's still sitting there in your portfolio and you just write the whole sector off, but there's opportunities there even if you're if you're able to time it better.
1: Yeah, right I agree. I agree. So
0: investmentresearchdynamics.com, anything new there that listeners should know about before you leave, Dave?
1: Um, no, nothing new there. You know, I've probably been I haven't been posting blogs as often as possible. But part of that is I want to pour more time into uh, both of my newsletters, the Mining Stock Journal and the Short Sellers Journal. And uh, it's interesting because just in the last eight weeks or so, all of a sudden I've had an influx of Short Sellers Journal subscribers. You know, I'll go through periods of time where I won't get new subscribers for quite some time. What's interesting though is, is I've got a core base of subscribers that have been with me for five years on that newsletter. So um, yeah, not much new. I'm just, I'm trying to spend some more time looking for for good ideas. I'll have a, a new idea this Thursday in my mining stock journal. And um, that's it.
0: Okay, website again is investmentresearchdynamics.com. Dave, thanks for coming on the show and we'll be touching base with you periodically throughout this year. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances